0: Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm Ashley, and we're the Theme Parkettes. Find out more about us, our
1: store, our vacation planning services, and more at themeparkettes.com. Today, we are so excited for this episode. This is going to be a fun one. As our listeners know, Ashley and I love theme parks. We love theme park history. We love vintage theme park memorabilia. We love planning trips around visiting theme parks and helping others plan their trips. And although we have visited many, we still have a huge theme park bucket list of places we want to visit. So when we thought about doing an episode around putting together a theme park bucket list of coasters, dark rides, and themed lands you must see, we thought, Who would be better to have on the show than the OG theme park journalist who has been writing about theme parks for over... 28 years not to give your age and also happens to be a fellow new englander or former i'm a we're former new englanders but a fellow new englander uh we heard him speak briefly on another podcast and thought oh maybe he'd do ours and we reached out and he said yes so please help us welcome our special guest theme park and travel journalist arthur levine
2: Hey, how you guys doing?
0: Hi, Arthur. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here.
2: It's my pleasure. I'm I'm, I'm no Paul Rudd, but I'll do the best I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> Not that it's a bad thing, but... You know, to was, us, uh...
1: you're you're up there with
0: Paul Rudd. That's the, to us, you are. <laughs> I hope that you, I hope that you appreciated my suggestion of X two to Paul Rudd. I'm looking forward to him being scared out of his mind once he rides.
2: <laughs> I did appreciate that, and and I think uh, X two may come up in our discussion later.
0: Oh, oh gosh. for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, it will. Between <laughs> Jessica and I. Yes, we're excited about it. Um, but before we get to that discussion, uh, where where are you from originally? So I know you're from New England, but what, what part of New England are you from?
2: I'm from Massachusetts, born and bred and lived here my entire life, except for a brief stint when I went to college in Connecticut. Uh, Massachusetts is, 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 is my place.
0: Oh, well, so am I. And Jessica is, uh, you know, a Rhode Island native, but now she calls Massachusetts her East Coast home. Um, and you must be kind of close to where I'm originally from because I feel like I heard or read somewhere that Canopy Lake is your closest theme park. Is that true? That is absolutely true, yeah. yeah. canopy Lake. <laughs> One of these <laughs> we days so we're going to do an episode <laughs> about Canopy Lake because we talk about it on almost every episode. But We have uh, to for like for now, the five for... <laughs>
1: people that will listen to that episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but for now we're going to talk about our bucket list, which, you know, if we've been to Canterby Lake, it's probably not on anybody's bucket list. It's great, but it's not, you know, the level of these other theme parks we're going to talk about. Um, but first I want to just kind of share your bio with everybody Capitalizing on his lifelong passion for anything and everything to do with theme parks, amusement parks, attractions, themed entertainment, water parks, and travel. So basically Jessica and my dream job, Arthur has been writing travel features in print and online since 1992. His journeys visiting parks and attractions have taken him to Orlando, Southern California, Brooklyn's Coney Island, and countless other places in the US, as well as our dream. Shanghai, Paris, Barcelona, and elsewhere around the globe. He writes regularly for USA Today, the top ten online travel site Tripsavvy, and the attractions industry trade publication Fun World. His content and musings have also appeared in Thrillist, the Boston Globe, Consumers Digest, The Denver Post, Boston Herald, The Columbus Dispatch, The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and other publications and sites. Reporters and producers frequently seek his expertise and opinions about the amusement industry and he has been cited in many national publications and newscasts. He's pretty much the expert on theme parks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Arthur is also the owner of The Art of Communications, a writing and communications business. So, Arthur, welcome and way to take what you love and make an amazing career out of it. I'm guessing you have some pretty awesome stories.
2: I think I have some pretty awesome stories, and I consider myself very fortunate that I'm able to uh, to have turned my uh, avocation into my vocation to do something that, that I love. And um, uh, it, it sounds like both of you have found a way to incorporate Something you love into uh, you're able to pursue that as well, and and I I hope that um, everybody has the opportunity to to do that. I know it's it's not always easy, and it, it was a kind of a, a long bumpy road for me, but um, I'm I'm so glad that uh, I was able to stick with it. So glad that I have a very forgiving and understanding wife, and <laughs> uh, and, and that I, I, I'm able to do this.
1: Is she into theme parks too? Well. Does she have a choice?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that she loves all of the things about theme parks that have nothing to do with thrill rides or roller coasters.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you guys are a good balance then.
2: Yeah, yeah. So while, while I'm off riding the roller coaster, she's off... Um, Sunning herself by the pool at the resort.
0: You know, there's there's something for everyone. <laughs> there is. There is. We talk about that a lot. You know, theme park has something for everybody. Kids, adults, people who don't want to get sick on rides. You know, there's something for everybody. And
1: Arthur actually wrote a great article. I think, uh, what was it called? Disney World for Wimps? <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. It was based on uh, a, a trip that I took with my brother and... Um, and he is the world's biggest ride wimp. He was <laughs> unable to do anything that had even the slightest hint of a thrill. And the, the experience that we had together um, gave me the idea of writing this article called Disney World for Wimps. I also have companion pieces, Disneyland for Wimps and Universal <laughs> Orlando for Wimps as well, um, so that I can direct people who, either themselves or their, their theme park, companions um, may have an aversion to thrills and this gives them a way to gauge the thrill level of, of different attractions because it's tough sometimes you're standing outside a building you're looking at transformers and you're thinking what the heck's going on in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I try to to take away some of that mystery and and assign a thrill rating to all these different attractions so that people can can make an informed decision about whether it, it may or may not be for them.
1: Right. And they might not be wimps. It might they they might be curious if it's too scary for their children or if they have, you know, back problems or something like that. Like what what is this ride going to do to them? So I, I love that you wrote those. That's fantastic.
0: Well I was thinking too that it, it probably is helpful. You know, was so many of the dark rides as well and some of the roller coasters like Space Mountain, you know If you describe it to somebody who's terrified of thrill rides, you're like, it's a roller coaster in the dark <laughs> Like mm-hmm. that sounds terrifying if you're not Into that sort of thing. Although I, I mean, I've had a handful of friends who've who've converted to roller coasters once they've yeah, gone on Space yeah. Mountain
2: and I think Space Mountain's a great example because um, for all of its uh, perceived thrills, if you stripped away <laughs> the building and put that roller coaster outside and people could see it, it's really, um, it, it's really at the lower end of a family coaster, almost bordering on a kiddie coaster. Um, but Disney does such a great job keeping everybody in the dark and has such great effects and. Uh, you know, the, it really kind of amps up the perceived thrill, but the actual thrill is, is really pretty mild. Yeah,
1: I've read that the speed is only really like 27 miles per hour or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they, so. they
2: vary. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, um the the numbers are different in california and florida but they're very very low yeah it's it's in the 20s or low 30s
1: so we're talking today theme park bucket lists and oh we had we started with this major list of different topics <laughs> we we're like we could ju- we could do a theme park bucket list by all these different topics and decided to just let's let's try to whittle it down a little and keep it to rides. Let's do roller coasters, dark rides, and themed lands. Uh, But I really want to start talking about one of my favorite topics, which is roller coasters. Arthur, you are a confirmed roller coaster fan. There's probably few roller coasters you haven't ridden, so we'd love to hear from you. What roller coasters have you ridden that you think are the best and worth planning a trip around?
2: Before we jump into it, I've broken this out so that I have... Kind of a list of um, different coasters that uh, have different reasons why I think people may be interested in them, and then I've also broken out my three favorite, which which maybe I'll cite Ooh. at the end. And, and and obviously I would recommend that, that recommend that people seek out. These coasters that I consider to be my favorite. But I thought maybe we would start at Cedar Point, which is uh, America's roller coaster, as they like to say. The, yes. um, the coaster that I would like to focus on, as, uh, as one that uh, people may want to seek out to justify a, a trip to Cedar Point, is Steel Vengeance. Uh, which oh. opened just a couple of years ago. Um, Steel Vengeance, as as you may or may not know, is um, a hybrid coaster. Uh, it used to be known as Mean Streak, um, which was a wooden coaster that it, that was at Cedar Point for many, many years. And like many wooden coasters, through the years it developed a reputation for being excessively rough. Um, and and lots of jokes used to be made about Mean Streak, about how incredibly rough it it had become. And it got to the point where Cedar Point either needed to tear it down uh, or make some track improvements or uh, option C, which is something that um, is now available to parks, is they had Rocky Mountain Construction come in, this wonderful company who has developed a specialty of taking old wooden coasters that are rough and ripping out their traditional wooden tracks, putting in these patented steel tracks that they've, uh, that they've developed, and creating what is known as a hybrid wooden and steel coaster. So from the ashes of Mean Streak uh, was born Steel Vengeance, and um, they retained much of the wooden structure, but they altered it in, in many ways, including raising the height up to 205 feet tall, uh, which enables it to reach a top speed of 74 miles an hour oh they gosh. they also added four inversions to the coaster which wow. uh, is something that until recently you wouldn't see on wooden coasters um, so they created um, this, this incredible ride called Steel Vengeance which is one of the best hybrid wooden and steel coasters out there and that's saying a lot because virtually all of them are fabulous this company Rocky Mountain Construction or RMC seems to be able to do no wrong and uh, it is just um, incredibly smooth which is ironic because it, it went from being literally one of the world's roughest coasters to becoming one of the world's smoothest coasters and even though it's a hybrid wooden and steel it still has sort of the look and feel and characteristics of a wooden coaster um, however, it's unbelievably smooth, but sort of in a wooden coaster kind of way. And um, so it's it's just a fabulous ride. I can't say enough about it. And I would encourage anybody who enjoys roller coasters to consider heading over to Cedar Point in Ohio uh, and to ride Steel Vengeance, but also to consider some of the many other Incredible coasters there, which include uh, the launch coaster Maverick and Top Thrill Dragster and Millennium Force. And there's a Millennium whole bunch of Force. other ones there. They're all great rides.
1: Millennium Force is on my bucket list for sure. I'm, I'm such a Hills person. I really love Drops. In my roller coasters and Millennium Forest has been on like the, the top of my bucket list for, for a while. When you're talking about um, this Rocky Mountain construction, we're, they're the same company, I think, that did uh, Twisted Colossus at Six Flags Magic Mountain too, right? The very, very similar situation, I think. You're
2: absolutely right. And that is that that is on my list yet to be uh, yet to be discussed. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping, jumping ahead. ahead. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead.
1: Sorry. Well, Twist, Twisted Colossus is my my favorite coaster. I jump around. I don't know about you, Arthur, but like my favorite coaster, I, I jump around. This is my favorite coaster. Of all, no, this is my favorite coaster of all time, for different reasons. Uh, but my current favorite is Twisted Colossus. Well, well, as
2: long as you said that, why don't I just um, jump ahead. <laughs> Go out of order and say that that my favorite. Coaster of all of them is Twisted Colossus. Is so, it really? So, so we, oh. we think alike. Yeah, I guess
1: yeah. so. <laughs> you got to do it, Ashley. I you got to get on there. I know. I know. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, I mean, I, it, it's uh, hills are your thing. My I like. I think this is gonna sound so silly, but I like to go upside down. Like that's I will one hundred percent take any inversion, any loop, any any coaster that does that over a coaster that has big hills uh, so so my favorites if, if we're talking about Magic Mountain um, Tatsu is definitely my favorite of all the coasters at Magic Mountain but a Twisted Colossus is on the bucket list to try
2: well, well Jessica we have to tell Ashley about the incredible it, it's it's called a Top Gun stall this is on Twisted mm-hmm. Colossus where well, why don't we step back for a moment and talk about <laughs> Twisted Colossus. Okay, okay it let's used do it. To be, uh, th- this used to be the wooden coaster Colossus at, mm-hmm. at, at Magic Mountain. And it, at one time, was one of the biggest wooden coasters in the world. And just uh, just like uh, Mean Streak at Cedar Point, it had become excessively rough through the years. Um, it originally was a twin track racing coaster. So you had two side-by-side tracks with, with two different trains that would be run simultaneously. And um, and that was Colossus. So Rocky Mountain Construction came in, and they did their their voodoo, and they created this <laughs> incredible uh, hybrid coaster. Um, and they made one long, continuous track, which now means that it's a four minute uh, just about a four minute ride, which yeah, is incredible it's long. For, for a coaster. Um, however, it, it has what's known as a Mobius layout. It's, it, it, so it, it still has side-by-side trains, but what happens is you start out, let's say, on the right-hand side of the track, and you go through the course, and then when you get to the end, you go back up the lift hill, and then you do the left side, and you come back into the station on the
1: opposite side. So, Arthur, I have to tell you that I didn't know this... When I first went on it, which was uh, during Holiday in the Park at Six Flags, I just assumed that we were racing another car of of people, and then suddenly we—I think—I think the ro- the roller coaster is over, and oh no no, now I'm on the left side and I'm going again. I'm one of those people who loves going on YouTube and watching ride videos of of coasters. Do either of you do that? Oh yeah. yeah. Am I no, the only I, one I absolutely here?
2: Absolutely do that. But
1: that was one I didn't. I specifically <laughs> didn't because I had heard from too many people. Like you just have to do it. And I was in shock. Like, wait, we're going again? Like why are we going again? <laughs> <I'm> like, oh <"Well, laughs> this is a completely different track. It was so fun.
2: Well getting back to my original point about going upside down, if if the operators are able to time it um, well and, it, and it, they don't always do it but if they are able to time it well the two trains are, are virtually side by side and then at one point there is this top gun stall uh, element where mm-hmm. the uh, the train on the bottom track is right side up and the train on the track above them is upside down and they're yeah. moving forward um together but one, one train is completely upside down for a relatively extended amount long of time i mean time. yeah it's only a few seconds but it feels like forever it, because you're upside it, it down
1: it really does and you're just going straight. it's not like you're in a loop or something you kind of you know what i mean it just feels like you're just i'm just how long are we upside down for i remember asking <laughs> someone when we got up, I was like how long do you think we were upside down yeah it's so and it, fun
2: it's an amazing experience again if they time it right when you're upside down and you're looking down at a train load of passengers beneath you right side up. It's just just incredible. So if they get the the if they can sync it up properly, that is just the, the killer element, I think, that that makes this the best coaster in the world for me.
1: Oh, I love it. I love that. Also, kind of fun that there's a lot of history behind this coaster in television and film. Uh, it's the roller coaster. Ashley will appreciate this. As my 90s kid. Uh, <laughs> Colossus was the roller coaster that they ride in the opening sequence of Step by Step. Yes, yes, that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was featured in... Uh, national lampoon's vacation
2: it was the uh, screaming yeah. <laughs>
1: <Mimi. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> so yeah as you're standing in line for the for twisted colossus the history of colossus is written on the walls of the queue uh so that's kind of a fun little element too so for all of those reasons that's why it's my favorite too oh and, and arthur's too i feel validated <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what else is on your bucket list Arthur if that's like number one? What's what's next on the list or not bucket list favorite list? Sorry
2: Yeah, I I want to go back to Six Flags Magic Mountain. Actually, we talked about this earlier Um, and it's it's X2 and The reason why I think people might want to seek this out if they're thrill freaks this to me is the most thrilling and the freakiest coaster out there so if you if you are kind of a, a type A adrenaline junkie, um, this is the coaster that uh, to this day still kind of gets me. Um, I my you know my 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 knees shake and I get a little <laughs> freaked out and it's just the craziest coaster because um, it it's known as a fourth dimension coaster. It was the first one in the world to be uh, to, to have this designation. Um, so the the cars are on either side of the track so it's kind of like a wing coaster Mm -hmm. Um, and people sit facing backwards in the station and they go up the lift hill backwards and when you reach the top you are facing backwards and you have a 215 foot drop at almost 90 degrees (sighs) and uh, it hits 76 miles an hour but what really makes this crazy is that the the cars on the outside uh, of the, you know, on, on either side of the track have the ability to spin forwards and backwards. So you're independently rotating forwards or backwards while you're moving through the, uh, through the course of the, of the coaster, which in itself has inversions. And so the, the end result is you have no idea which end is up. It's completely disorienting. It's you so feel like freaky. you're in a blender.
1: yeah, <laughs> like go, you' go up the hill backwards and then go down the hill like belly first. And it is horrifying. <laughs> it's just, and I try. I'm. I've been. You know, I try to close my eyes. At this point, it's the one coaster that, like, I. Uh, my husband loves it, and he's like, "Oh, it's not scary." I'm like, that ride is horrifying, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> because you don't know what's happening. You can't like brace yourself. You just have to let it take you and I'm flip right you all you. around. And oh my goodness, it just. uh it gives me anxiety. I'm sweating just thinking about it.
0: <laughs> like, it makes it. (laughs) It makes me think like the first time I saw it, I was like, somebody went to a carnival and saw the zipper and was like, how do I take the zipper and put it on a roller coaster at the same time?
2: Now, we were talking earlier about Cedar Point and for many years, Six Flags, Magic Mountain and Cedar Point were kind of in a contest to see who who had the most roller coasters Mm -hmm. um but Six Flags Magic Mountain in the past few years has run away with the title in addition to X2 and Twisted Colossus there were 19 coasters in total so for people who love roller coasters that's another reason to put Six Flags Magic Mountain on your bucket list and and among some of the other coasters that are worth checking out there You mentioned Tatsu that's certainly one of them. I love Full Throttle I think it's one of the best launch coasters out there And I haven't been on west coast racers yet, but that looks pretty pretty wild as well.
0: Arthur Do you have you know when you're when you're talking about? Roller coasters when you're visiting them when you're trying them out. I mean, what's your criteria that you consider when you're thinking about? You know what the best roller coasters are in the world.
2: Well, I I try to consider all criteria, and and different coasters have different different elements, different features that they um, s- sort of emphasize, and I try to take that into consideration. My personal preference, um, I love airtime, especially mm-hmm. uh, floater airtime, which um, for those who may not know what that means, um, it's it's the experience of negative G's when the roller coaster's been designed so that you experience anything less than one g, which is the the amount of gravity that keeps us tethered to the Earth, you start floating out of your seat, and um, I just find that delirious and exhilarating. And um, so, my favorite kinds of coasters are generally those that are loaded with airtime, and those are typically hyper coasters. So, so you know that that is is something that I'm looking for uh, personally is airtime, but you know, there were so many other coasters out there that were designed for different reasons. And, and um, so I try to evaluate them um, based on what they were designed for.
1: Where do you like to sit? Where do you Are you in front of the coaster, middle of the coaster, or back? You
2: know, I try to make it a point to do all three positions um, so that I can get a sense of what the ride is from all different perspectives. Generally, um, because I love airtime, I'm, I'm Often, uh, I often want to be in the back because that's generally where you're going to get the most airtime. Um, Sometimes it can also be the roughest ride, so that may not be, there may be a reason why you don't want to sit in the back. And and I try to indicate all these things whenever I review coasters to talk about uh, the different positions I sat in and why you may or may not want to uh, go uh, into those those different seats. Speaking of exhilarating and airtime, I also have listed Lightning Rod on my list, which is at Dollywood. Dollywood.
0: (gasps) Yay! dollywood
2: <laughs> <laughs> dollywood is a wonderful wonderful park i just i just get the biggest kick out of it um you know i, I love the destination parks like disney and universal um I, I love all parks really um and and that that's um I, I try to give sort of equal attention to all different parks uh in, in the industry but th- there are these kind of this level that's sort of just below the destination parks and I I would put Dollywood in that category that I just love Um, you know it's never it's never going to be mistaken for the Magic Kingdom or for Islands of Adventure but for what they do they do it so so well and Lightning Ride is one of the the best roller coasters out there the reason why I think people may want to seek this out is um, first of all it's the world's first and only launched wooden coaster and um it's absolutely exhilarating it's it's just just an incredible ride also designed uh, by rocky mountain construction you'll you'll see them listed a lot on my list here because i just think the world of them this one's a little different this is a it's considered a wooden coaster but unlike the hybrid wooden and steel coasters that rmc creates this one has what's known as its topper track so on a traditional wooden coaster there'll be a stack of of, of wood that forms the, the, the rails, and then there'll be a thin piece of metal across the top of the wood, and that's what the wheels roll on. Well, Warky Mountain Construction has created this topper track where, where they take uh, a, a, a large piece of, of steel and it runs across the entire width of the stack of wood, and that enables the coasters, to, the wooden coasters, to include inversions and to also be incredibly smooth. So uh, this company, RMC, is just wildly innovative. Um, and as I said, this is the world's first and only launched wooden coaster. It, it hits a top speed of 73 miles an hour, wow. which, which makes it the fastest wooden coaster. And um, that launch is a launch uh, uphill, which is just crazy, wild. Um, so you go right out of the station and you get launched uphill. And One of the most wonderful elements of this, um, like many of the coasters at Dollywood, it's built into the mountainside, into the woods, and Mm. um, there's what's known as a quadruple-down element, which means that it drops down once, and then twice, and then three times, (laughs) and then a fourth time. So just when you think you've hit the bottom, the bottom just drops out again. Um, (laughs) So you've got this quadruple-down element that just takes, if you've never been on it, it takes you by surprise. And uh, just exhilarating, just a wonderful, wonderful ride. And Dollywood, it sounds like perhaps both of you have been there. You can mm-hmm. uh, attest that it's it's just a fabulous park for so many reasons.
1: Yeah, we did a whole episode on, for anybody who's never been to Dollywood, uh, kind of like a 101, you know, what you need to know for your first time there. And we absolutely talked about how it's just beautiful, like the scenery and everything. There's... And just how you just feel like you're really just part of – I mean, you are in the Smoky Mountains and um – the food and
2: <laughs> the food is fabulous and the, there. The food is
1: the great. People. Did you have the cinnamon bread?
2: Oh you have to. <laughs> to. There's no way you can leave Dollywood without having cinnamon bread.
0: But do you eat the cinnamon bread before you get on the roller coaster no. or after you get on the roller coaster? <laughs> uh, Actually,
1: both, there probably. are rules to riding roller coasters. My goodness.
0: Some people don't get affected by it as much as other people. I'm just curious.
2: I I have no problem eating the the, the the strangest food and getting on any kind of spinning ride or roller coaster and being absolutely fine.
0: You were built for this job, basically. I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, continuing on my list of roller coasters that uh, people may want to seek out is the Cyclone at Coney Island at Luna Park.
1: Yeah. And the
2: reason why I put this on my list is because I think people should. Um, Be aware of the history of coasters and kind of pay respects. This is a living piece of history. It was built in 1927. It may be perhaps the most One of the most famous coasters in the world and for good reason and it is um a national historic landmark thank goodness so it it will be preserved no matter what the coney island has has seen its ups and downs but thanks to that landmark status uh the cyclone has survived it's not the whole amusement area is kind of on the upswing now with all kinds of uh investment and new attractions coming in which is great but the cyclone itself even though it was built in 1927 if if you didn't know anything about its history and you just got on it it holds up so well today it's it's 60 miles per hour it's got this 59 degree drop it's surprisingly potent and um it's wonderful uh, it has that rough and tumble characteristic wooden coaster ride so i i think you want to sort of acknowledge its history but at the same time you can just enjoy it for its intrinsic value which is it's just a wonderful ride and of course coney island is loaded with uh the wonder wheel and nathan's uh famous hot dogs and so many other great things and i think everybody at least once in their life should make it over to coney island and and certainly take a ride on the cyclone um and and i'd like to give a runner-up status to kennywood which has three old wooden coasters all from the 1920s Uh, including Thunderbolt and Racer, which is another Mobius track uh, side-by-side racing coaster. And then its oldest one, which is Jackrabbit, which was built in 1920, and it's the oldest continuously operating coaster in the U.S. All three of these rides are fabulous. Kennywood is a great classic park in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, another great place that I think people should consider heading out, out to.
1: I would never have considered Kennywood. Uh, that's well, that, That's the purpose of the
2: podcast, isn't it?
1: That's the purpose. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is great. Cr- putting it on my list.
2: So I've got one more on my list uh, before I get to my, my two other favorites, and that is Time Traveler, which is the coaster at Silver Dollar City uh, that was introduced a couple years ago. The, why people should consider this, it is the fastest, tallest, and steepest spinning coaster and also in my estimation the best spinning coaster and by spinning coaster I mean that the cars literally spin around and and some of them just sort of freely spin and if you're the least bit prone to uh, motion sickness that can be a problem. What they solved on time traveler though, is that they have this magnetic spin control so that they're able to to very carefully control the spin so that you you spin around but not not very fast and not you're not just freely spinning. and it, it, you it ends up just being this incredibly giddy wonderful ride. It's also a launch coaster. Um, you leave right out of the station into a hundred foot, ninety degree drop. Oh gosh, uh, it hits fifty geez. miles an hour. There are two launches throughout the course of the ride. There are three inversions, uh, which is unusual for a spinning coaster. Spinning, and yeah. it's a great, great ride. It's also operated by the same company that operates Dollywood, and is and um, Silver Dollar City is in many ways similar to Dollywood. Um, just has wonderful food, wonderful attractions. Great customer service, um, just, just a great, great park with some fabulous rides, including time travel.
1: And that's in uh, Branson, Missouri.
2: That's in Branson, Missouri. Yeah, that's right. So I can uh, finish out my my coaster list here by letting you know what my two other favorites are. Yes. I mentioned that yeah. Twisted Colossus was my favorite hybrid wooden and steel. My favorite steel coaster is Superman the Ride at Six Flags New England.
1: New England. I was, <laughs> I gonna was say, going to say, I... <laughs> I wrote God that down yes. when you said you like airtime. I was like, yeah, then you must love Superman. Yes, well, <laughs> so I was that- going
0: to ask you if you had written, I mean, of course you've written it, but I was going to ask you your opinion on it.
2: That's exactly the reason why I love it. It's um, it's loaded with airtime as, as, as you you both know and you know some people may accuse me of being a bit parochial here i I live in new england (laughs) but i legitimately think that this is just the best steel coaster out there it's just got crazy air time it's got that 221 foot drop into a fog-filled tunnel and you're right uh, alongside the uh, the connecticut river and it's just a beautiful setting a great ride and what, what i often say about this it's not the fastest it's not the tallest Coaster in the world, um, although it does hit seventy-seven miles an hour, but it it, it the the um, pacing is just about ideal on this coaster, and I liken it to a piece of music. Um, you know there are coasters out there like I mentioned Top Thrill Dragster before at Cedar Point, um, which is essentially a one-trick pony. It's a four hundred and twenty-foot tall coaster that is launched, and you basically just go up. 420 feet and down the other side and that's the end of the ride and there's there's virtually no pacing to it as opposed to i and i liken that to sort of like heavy metal music you know it's just constantly at 11 but (laughs) superman the ride is like this more well-produced piece of classical music that has highs and lows and you almost feel like there's a conductor that is leading you through the through the course and um, is kind of playing with your emotions and setting you up for the next hill and the next drop. And uh, so there's that anticipation. Just everything about it is, is just coaster perfection, I think. Um, and then my favorite wooden coaster is El Toro at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, that is... The reason why I love that it has the freakiest ejector airtime that I've ever experienced on any coaster. If if you weren't belted in on El Toro, I think that you would probably end up getting catapulted, probably you know, 300 <laughs> yards uh, <laughs> off into the distance because the ejector air on this thing is just crazy. Uh, it goes 70 miles an hour, has a 76 degree descent. Um, it's one of the world's fastest and tallest wooden coasters, and um, it, it gets my nod for the best wooden coaster. Um, so that, that kind of completes my, my take on on wooden coasters and where I think people may want to consider going to experience some of the best ones.
1: Ashley, what about you? What are some of your favorite roller coasters? Just...
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like want to talk about being parochial. No, I, uh, I feel like I'm pretty... I don't want to say boring, but you know, I like my I like my inversions. Um, Incredible Hulk at Universal mm-hmm. Orlando is probably my top favorite, um, just for the length and the the launch. Um, I also just love the design of it, the physics of it with the magnets. I just think the whole thing is just really cool. Um, I also love Expedition Everest, um, especially with you know the switchback and coming down backwards. Um, rock and roller coaster. Although yes, another Disney ride, but I, I love the music <laughs> element to rock and roller coaster. So I understand that as it as a roller coaster, it's not like the greatest roller coaster, but I love the 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 music element to it. Um and then I mentioned Tatsu earlier, and then my favorite wooden roller coaster, because I do have one, is actually Excalibur up at Funtown, Splash Town in Saco, Maine. I don't know if you've ever been up there, Arthur, but... Um, Absolutely.
2: Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> I love Excalibur. I feel like it does all of the things that you want that kind of, you know, that wooden coaster, old school New England feel to it. You know, lots of airtime. It's really long, like much longer than I thought it would be, at least in my perspective. Um, and it's in the woods, and it's just, um, it's just a really fun, fun wooden coaster. And it doesn't give you that... Feeling when you get off it, like you need to go to the chiropractor, which I appreciate. So, um, I uh, so those are those are my favorites, and
1: I'd have to go. I've already basically said mine with Twisted Colossus, um, but I also have to give a shout out to Goliath at Magic Mountain as well. I I always have to ride Goliath whenever I'm at Magic Mountain, and um, I know this is kind of old school, but Loch Ness Monster at Busch Gardens Williamsburg, Virginia. I could ride that roller coaster over and over again. It for the for the beauty of it and the loops. And that hill, that first hill, I just love it so much. I know there's more exciting coasters out there, but I just, I love the scenery of that and the feel. It's it's less scary and more exhilarating, which sometimes you want, you know?
2: Well, I hope you don't take exception, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on Goliath. Oh. And the reason why is, well, a couple of reasons uh, one, I think the design of it is is crazy in that it's <laughs> incredibly tall, I believe it's 250 plus feet tall and goes incredibly fast, but they take all of that pent up energy and they uh, built these uh, helixes that just kind of spin you round and round which you enter these helixes with such incredible force.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, you almost black out.
2: Well, that's the second reason why I don't like this ride. Not just blackout, but, but uh, yeah, well, right, blackout. <laughs> I, I actually experienced a grayout on this. I mean, a, yeah, legi- got, a legitimate right. grayout where I lost all perception of color. My field of vision was narrowing. It freaked me out so much that I will never, ever get back on that ride again. And, um it, it uh, I, I just think it's the design of it just doesn't make any sense to me so I understand why people would be attracted to it. I mean it's it's certainly tall and fast and makes has quite a presence on the midway there but um, that gray just really yeah, freaked it's, me out. Yeah, it's
1: real. It happens to me every time. I still love it. <laughs> and you keep going it, Jess. The seats are so, it's so narrow that when you look down, I mean, you just feel like you're, you know, on top of the world. I don't know. I just, and it's scary. You just have your little lap bar over your knees and, whew, yeah, I love it. All <laughs> right. Uh, bucket list. Let's talk about bucket li- list coasters we haven't done uh, Ashley and I haven't done Hagrid's motorbikes yet, so that's on our list.
2: Definitely belongs on your list. That's a fabulous, a fabulous coaster a- and a great themed ride. It's, it's kind of got both going for it.
1: I mentioned Millennium Force being on mine. Uh, Fury 325 at Carowinds we haven't been on yet, even though Ashley's in
0: North Carolina. we got to get over there. We need to get to Carowinds. I have um, Tron, of course. On my list um, just because the whole experience looks amazing and obviously we haven't seen what Magic Kingdom's Tron is going to look like exactly but um, I'm hoping that Disney keeps it separate so that we can experience both. Uh, Raptor at Cedar Point has been on my list for a long time. My
1: international one is Takabisha at Fuji-Q Highland theme park in Japan because that red looks insane. Have you been there?
2: I have not been there. I have I haven't been to um, Asia other than Shanghai, and and yeah. I went to Shanghai Disneyland, and I did get to ride Tron there. And I think people stateside are in for an incredible treat. What a wonderful <laughs> ride! It's so well themed, and and again, kind of like uh, Hagrid's, it, it's a wonderful thrilling coaster, but the uh, story aspect, the storytelling aspect, is also very, very well done. And so you combine the two, and it's just a wonderful experience.
1: Uh, how about you, Arthur? Any any bucket list roller coasters for you? I,
2: I think you started at, at the top of the podcast by saying that I've been to all these parks, and, and it's true that I've been to many, but... Um, I've been to many in this country, although there are still some parks that I haven't been to stateside and, and in North America. But um, internationally, I have a lot of parks that are on my bucket list. And um, not necessarily for the roller coasters, but uh, among the parks that are on my bucket list are uh, Bakken and Tivoli Gardens, two parks that are near Copenhagen. Um, Bakken opened in 1583 and is the world's uh, oldest operating park and uh, tivoli gardens dates back to 1843 and uh, they have a coaster that dates back to 1914 that actually has a brakeman on it so i'm not sure if you're familiar with this but uh, in order for the coaster to to take the turns properly and to stop when it comes into the station there's a gentleman with a brake on the train that operates it and oh um, there are very few coasters left that actually have them, but uh, there is one at Tivoli Gardens. And and uh, so I love uh, the history of parks, and I, I I would love to go to both of these parks and explore sort of the uh, you know the, the the birth of the the whole notion of of what a, a theme park and amusement park is. Um, you you probably know that Walt Disney visited Tivoli Gardens when he was planning Disneyland and took a lot of inspiration. And in addition to uh, the amusement rides there, it, it, it features all kinds of wonderful um, cultural um, theaters and, and, and cultural attractions. You can see ballet and there are pop concerts, there's high-end dining. Um, so it's really kind of an elevated experience. Uh, and it's very much an urban park right in, in, in downtown Copenhagen. So I, I really hope to make it there someday. Uh, for the same reason, I also hope to make it to Wiener Prader, which is in Vienna, Austria. Uh, this is another urban park that dates back to 1766, probably most well-known for its 200-foot-tall ferris wheel. Um, but also has 14 coasters uh, another great park the the Ferris wheel dates back by the way to the late 1800s It yeah. has 15 gondolas on it was featured in the film. I think it's either called before sunrise or before sunset I'm not sure if, mm-hmm. you, if you're familiar with the series, but the Ferris wheel in there uh, That's featured in the movie comes from Wiener Prader. So uh, that's that's on my bucket list Um, I get to make it to Alton Towers and Thorpe Park. You were mentioning um, some coasters that are featured at those parks earlier. Uh, They're both in England and has legendary coasters such as Nemesis and Oblivion. Love to make it to Blackpool Pleasure Beach, uh, which is a seaside park uh, in Blackpool, England. Um, Dates back to 1896, another classic seaside park. Uh, I want to make it to Efteling in the Netherlands, which is kind Mm -hmm. of a Disney-level park that has some wonderful dock rides. Uh, Recently opened a ride called Symbolica that looks mind-blowing. Also has some wild coasters. Um, I also hope someday to make it to Germany to Europa Park, which is operated by the Mach family. Uh, They are in the roller coaster and ride manufacturing business but they also operate europa park as kind of a proving ground for their rides. so they'll often develop new innovations in coasters or rides and 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 kind of test them out at europa park uh, it's a theme park that's themed to all the lands of of europe all these different european countries looks just beautiful uh, and is a place that i hope to get to I also hope to make it someday to the United Arab Emirates, to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, where um, the world's fastest coaster, Formula Rossa, which reaches just about 150 miles an hour, is the featured ride at Ferrari (gasps) World. Looks
1: amazing.
2: And um, just a few years ago, a couple of years ago, Warner Brothers World uh, Abu Dhabi uh, opened, and that looks like an amazing indoor, um, highly sophisticated theme park that. Looks like it rivals Disney and Universal for its uh, its its dark rides and uh, and attractions. So those are some of the places on on my um, my bucket list, including I've, I haven't been to Tokyo Disney Sea, and that's that's some place that I really hope to make it to someday, and that looks like just an amazing Disney park experience.
0: Well, so and Arthur, you were talking about you mentioned you know some of the dark rides, and so um, that was kind of the next thing that we wanted to talk about because I feel like dark rides, you know, for well for our listeners who don't know. You know, a dark ride is is classified as an indoor amusement ride, which passengers, you know, board guided vehicles and they travel through specially lit scenes, and there's usually animation, sound, and music, and special effects, and those kind of things, like. It's a Small World, Pirates of uh, the Caribbean, uh, E.T., etc. So, um, you know, they're a big part of of a lot of theme parks. Um, and we're curious, like in your opinion, what are some of the best dark rides, or the or are the absolute must sees if you're at a park uh, to to check out?
2: Well, I don't think it would be any surprise to find out that my picks for the top dark rides are at either Disney or Universal parks. They kind of have the market cornered on this they have the budgets Mm -hmm. they have the 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 creative wherewithal they have the history and um, they've really been stepping it up lately I I think the top two in my experience and these are only the ones that I've been able to experience and and I should have prefaced this entire podcast by saying when I say these are the best or these are my picks for the the coasters that you should put on your bucket list really these are the ones that i've been able to experience there are many around the sure. world that i haven't been able to so um so I, I i want to be clear about that but but my top two and i i think i sort of rate them evenly it's I, I kind of go back and forth but i think in the end i just sort of leave them uh kind of equal um pirates of the caribbean battle for the sunken treasure at shanghai disneyland is just a mind-blowing dark ride um unlike the original Pirates of the Caribbean here stateside this one is based on the films which themselves were based on the ride (laughs) and um, so you've got Captain Jack Sparrow you've got Davy Jones you have incredible animatronics in there based on both of those characters and so like Pirates of the Caribbean there are some fabulous animatronics um, but what makes this different? There's a few things. Um, first of all, it's incredibly grand scale. I mean, the the, the the show building is just enormous for this. The boats in which you travel, unlike the ones uh, here in Florida or in California, which just kind of freely float through a channel, these are powered by underwater magnetic motors, and so they're very able. They're able to very uh, precisely control them, like the Omnimover. Uh, system that we have for dock rides like the Haunted Mansion. The attraction is designed so that the boats are able to turn or go backwards or go sideways precisely with whatever scene you're in so it syncs up with with the action uh, very precisely. But in addition to the animatronics and the grand scale and the uh, this this breakthrough ride system, they've kinda out-universaled universal when it comes to screens <laughs> because they have um, these giant I mean just colossal size screens that um, you also kind of float past and that are so incredibly immersive one of the scenes you start sinking underwater and of course you're not really sinking underwater you drown but the effect is just so convincing that it's just mind-blowing and the film, I think, extends to the ceiling and to the floor. So you're literally immersed in, in, into, uh, into the scenes. And um, it's one of those rides that I got off of. And, you know, I literally had it, not literally, but I figuratively had to scrape my jar off the ground. It was just like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that's one. Uh, the second one, no surprise, probably, um, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the
1: Resistance. Yeah, yeah I mean, mine too. Oh, they just wow. they just
2: killed it. They just killed it with that. I mean, it's a 17-minute ride, wildly ambitious, multiple ride systems, multiple scenes. And, um, you know, you are the star in your own Star Wars movie. I just think it's brilliant. And, they uh, nailed so, it. Yeah, so those are the top two. You
1: feel like you are in Star Wars. You feel like you're a character, and I think they just finally—that—that's an experience, a type of, of of theme park experience that you want, you know, to be completely immersed and to just feel like you're part of it. And I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> don't watch a ride through of that either, anybody, before you go on it. Please let yourself be surprised. It's probably
2: one of the most cliche terms uh, in when discussing theme parks, and I've already mentioned it probably five or six times over the course of the podcast uh, immersion or some variation on the word immersion Um, but this really does take it to the next level you're absolutely right that you're just completely immersed in the star wars universe and you are a character in your own star wars movie and it's so convincing it's just so Mm -hmm. well done Um, but i have a couple of others that i wanted to mention Um, the other two that are on my list are from Universal Parks. Um, one is Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, which is both yes. at Universal Orlando and uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, I'm sure you've talked about it before, yep. but it's the Phenomenal. world's first dark world's first ride that incorporates the KUKA arm robotic arm technology. Um, and it just uh, simulates flying to an extraordinary degree, has some great Animatronics and some great practical sets to go along with the screens, and of course it has that great queue through Hogwarts Castle that, in and of itself, is almost an, an attraction. Right.
1: you can uh, just walk through and enjoy it for that's sure. That's right, that's right. And uh, and then
2: the amazing adventures of Spider-Man, which in its own way was incredibly groundbreaking when it debuted many years ago. It's the first roving motion base uh, attraction, which which means that you're in vehicles that um sync up with the action on screens, rather than you being in a theater, you're actually in a moving vehicle that is syncing up with the action. And they had to do so many things to make this technology work. They were able to come up with so many innovation, innovations. And to this day, uh, many people still consider it to be the best theme park attraction out there. Um, I think the two Disney rides may have bested it at, at this point, but it's still just an amazing experience. So those are my picks for the top The top dock rides Uh, other ones that are that are just incredible uh, that that, that i that i just briefly mentioned um avatar flight of passage harry Mm -hmm. potter and the the escape from gringotts and we already mentioned hagrid's magical creatures uh, motorbike all great great attractions as well
1: Shout out to you for knowing the full names of all of these rides. (laughs) We're always like, oh, Hagrid's. Oh, the Harry Potter train. (laughs) My bucket list includes Ratatouille, although we're going to get it soon here in the States. So maybe I can wait and not have to travel internationally for that. Uh, And then Phantom Manor at Disneyland Paris and Mystic Manor at Hong Kong, just because I'm such a Haunted Mansion fan that I want to be able to judge which is the best of all the Haunted Mansions.
0: How about you ash in terms of favorites i actually uh would agree with you that amazing spider-man amazing adventures of spider-man at, at universal orlando is still one of my favorites i remember riding it uh when it first came out and just being uh, i could not wrap my mind around what had just happened it blew it just blew me away and i think we talked about it on our universal episode that you know it's the og of of these um, kind of new technologically advanced rides. and i think you're right arthur like rise is probably totally you know blown it out of the water at this point but i still think that there's something to be said for that technology for um for how it works and and how you truly feel like you're you know hanging out with spider-man um throughout that whole ride so i'm a i'm a big fan
2: you know both of those rides um share some dna in that uh the uh scotch who is the an imagineer at disney and kind of oversaw the entire uh, star wars galaxy's edge project uh, had a hand in designing The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man, so um, mm-hmm. hats off to Scott Trowbridge for, for doing some amazing things. I just want to maybe just briefly mention one of the things that they had to overcome with Spider-Man, because you're in a moving vehicle and you're moving, let's say, left to right across a screen, and it's and you're looking at it with 3D glasses on and you've got a 3D image, it It would become distorted if if you just if they just placed you in front of a regular three d screen and had regular three d footage. So they came up with this this um concept called squinching. they They gave it this name squinching, where as you move from left to right, the image intentionally distorts so that to, from the perspective of the, the passengers in the vehicle, it looks perfectly normal. So that's one of the technological hurdles they had to overcome, which just blows my mind when you start digging into this and looking at the challenges that they faced and the ways that they overcame them. Uh, th- this is the reason why I love the people who work in this industry and the things that they do.
1: It's mind boggling. Have you gotten a chance to, to meet a lot of them?
2: I have, I have. And that's one of, that's been one of the joys. I, I've, I've, had a chance to meet scotch rowbridge and i've had a chance to meet people like marty sklar who's a legendary wow. disney yeah. imagineer and tony baxter and oh, um, these time. are all kind of the rock stars of, of of the theme park world and um it's such a joy to, to sit down with any of them and to talk to them about their creative process and 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 to talk to them about their inspirations and what led them into the industry and it's just it's just great i i you know, I, I keep saying I feel privileged, and I and I really do feel that way, and that's one of certainly one of the joys of, uh, of of my job.
0: Well, because it's such a it's such a like you said, Arthur, it's such a fascinating like the process of of how they, uh, you know, come up with the, the ideas of these rides. It's not just you know a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster inside of a mountain with a yeti that's supposed to swipe at you, and like just kind of all of the the pieces um, that make these rides so uh, incredible and so realistic. Um, and that I think it, it is it is why you mentioned, you know, that, that Disney and the Universal Parks have kind of really carried the torch and set the bar for a lot of these dark rides or for all of the dark rides is because they just are, um, you know, top of the line in terms of immersion that I don't know if anybody else could, could quite hit that. Um, Level yeah, of immersion. I mean Six Flags
1: most recently came out with that Justice League ride, the dark ride, in a couple of their parks. I went on the one in, in Magic Mountain, and you know it's great but it's you know it's (laughs) spider-man it's with god you know it's spider-man with with laser it's a great it's really fun uh but you know it's sort of like okay i feel like disney and universal have already been there and gone past that
2: yeah i I understand what you're saying and certainly disney and universal kind of uh, not only set the bar but they also establish the precedent and often there will be imitators that come along. Um, the same thing could be said I suppose about Soren and that the flying mm-hmm. theater concept which you'll find at many other parks now as well and many other ride designers have kind of uh, co-opted that that concept. Um, but you know just just kind of talking about the design process sometimes it's the audacity that just amazes me. Like who would think that somebody would, somebody would create this um, attraction where they're trying to convince you that you're on a boat that sinks underwater, with a giant sea creature about to engulf the boat, and and pull it off with such aplomb, um, and 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 make it so convincing. Uh, you know, I would think that at some point somebody must have been sitting around a boardroom. And they must have said, well, how much is that going to cost? And (laughs) Somebody had to say, somebody had to give them the green light and somebody else had to say, you know, given X amount of dollars, I think I can make that happen. And God help them, they somehow make it
1: happen. Do I don't it. Know how,
2: I don't know how they do it, but but um, we're the benefactors of their their audacity, I
1: guess. And mm, I just can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> Let's talk about themed lands. Arthur, you wrote a great article last year that basically broke it down for us nerds into the difference between a theme park and an amusement park, saying that, you know, theme park have, themed lands. Think Tomorrowland, think Wizarding World of Harry Potter, think Pandora. And amusement parks, while still great, can still be great, uh, don't have necessarily theming or stories. Their rides are basically the attraction. Uh, Their rides are there for your amusement. That's what they're like. Cedar Point doesn't really have so much storytelling. Their rides are the attraction. But I'd love to talk about uh, your favorite of all of the themed lands.
2: Well, I I think when we talk about this I think we have to start with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter which you just mentioned because when Universal developed the Wizarding World of Harry Potter they took um, themed storytelling and uh, placemaking to the next level I mean it's absolutely groundbreaking nothing like that had ever been done before um, the commitment to the theme is so complete uh, that nothing virtually bleeds in from the outside world if um you know if, if you're looking for a coca-cola or, or 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 something uh like that you're not going to be able to find it in hogsmead because that doesn't exist in the <laughs> in the mythology of harry potter you will find however uh butterbeer and, and things that exist in the Wizarding World. And um, it's just so amazing that from top to bottom, from food, from the attractions, from the lands, from the buildings that look settled, they're not level at all. Uh, they have a patina of moss and grime on them. Um, you know, everything about it just places you in the story and they really threw down the gauntlet with Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And to me, that is certainly um, one of the best theme lands out there, and, and, and the originator of this kind of next-gen version of themed lands. Uh, Universal Orlando later developed Diagon Alley at Universal Studios Florida, and with its tall buildings, uh, they've created this cocoon that even uh, is, is even more immersive, if that's possible. I mean, it really shuts out the entire outside world and, and is perhaps even more immersive. So Wizarding World of Harry Potter has to be acknowledged for uh, the the ground that it broke. Disney did respond. Uh, it took them a little while, but I think Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, uh, which we, we, we were just talking about, Um, in its own way is quite risky and daring Mm -hmm. in that rather than basing it on an existing um, part of the Star Wars mythology rather than plopping you down into a recognized land from the movies or from the books or from uh, you know from any of the other uh, existing Star Wars content they created this entire new world and uh, by doing so um they made it um the focus was on you as the character who has come into this land um you know sort of without any prior information you're not reliving somebody else's uh adventure you're living your own adventure and um to me that that is just uh it, it was daring it was risky i think they pulled it off really really well and um also, you know, the fact that it's fourteen acres that they were able to carve fourteen acres out of Disneyland, Landlocked right. Disneyland is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to the point where there are no signs on the restaurants, on the shops, on the attractions, uh, you know, they're in they're in uh, some native language that, Unless you use your decoder on your phone, you have no idea what they even say. But somehow you're able to find them and wander your way in and experience Oga's Cantina and experience the incredible attractions that they have there. So I I think those are probably the two best examples of of theme lands that are out there. Um, Also Pandora, the World of Avatar, we talked about that a little earlier at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, Another great example of of a, a, a highly themed land uh one of the most magical aspects of that land i think is to be there at night when the bioluminescent uh plants Mm. and and fauna come to life and it's just uh sort of an eerie and magical and uh wild feeling to be there among the floating mountains and and the and the and the the bioluminescent uh plants is is just just crazy um, and another place that, that is wonderful that, uh, that Disney d- developed for Disney California Adventure is Cars Land.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: It's, uh, you know, the Radiator Springs, the Red Rock Mountains with their rock work is just, just and daunting. especially at
1: night. Ooh, oh, I love at, going at night. It's yeah, yeah.
2: Experience. So have you been there at night when Shaboom comes yes. over the loudspeakers? Yes,
0: yes. Oh, it's, the, it's my favorite. So
2: for, for those who <laughs> don't know what we're talking about, they play the song Shaboom, Life Would Be a Dream, and all of the neon lights one by one kind of come on. And, um, you know, what Disney and Universal are just masters at is not only providing all these great thrills and and incorporating these stories that we're familiar with, but they're so good at playing with our emotions and, and reaching us emotionally. And that is a great example. I mean, if you are there at night, especially if you don't know about it and it just kind of happens organically and spontaneously, I mean this this feeling just comes over you like oh my goodness I'm I'm in I'm here in Carsland I'm, I'm you know the movie has come to life and I'm in it and I'm on Route 66 and this is just amazing phenomenal. so phenomenal those are my favorite themed lands
1: I cannot. Is, is everybody else really excited about Avengers Campus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Super yeah. Nintendo World. Sure. I'm so excited for these these parks to come out, and I'm I'm hoping more themed lands like this are are headed our way.
0: I'm happy that that California Adventure is finally you know with Cars Land with with the re, the remodel and the, and them doing Cars Land because Cars Land is on my list. It's one of my favorites, and I am just so glad that they they finally are investing <laughs> some time and some money into into that immersion because it, it to me it always felt like you go to disneyland and you would be in those you know immersive lands especially like new orleans square and um and frontierland and then you'd cross the esplanade and i i always just felt like i was in a, a very meta version of california it was like Calif- a facsimile of california in a theme park and it it just didn't have that same feeling and now i feel like disney is is really um is upping the ante so i'm excited about avengers campus but i i'm i'm cautiously optimistic because i feel like like you said (laughs) arthur after star wars galaxy's edge i mean i i don't know if they i I just can't imagine them getting any better than that but they seem to continue to do so every time they unveil something new so uh, i'm excited to see where it leads us
2: well disney acknowledged that disney california adventure never quite really lived up to the bar that Disney itself had set mm-hmm. for so many years, and um, and I agree with you. They've, they've gone about rectifying that and have really invested a lot of money and creativity and time. Um, I don't know what Avengers Campus will be like in comparison to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and some of the other lands we've talked about, but um, as you said earlier, the bar kind of has been set and raised, and... Um, there's a certain level of expectation now that I think parks need to need to meet and um,
1: so I'm expecting good things as well. So Arthur, anytime we have a special guest on our podcast, we always ask them the theme park gets five questions. So I'm dying to ask you question one. What is your favorite Disney park?
2: I have to go with Disneyland because it's the original. It's the park that Walt Disney himself walked and personally designed. And it is um, just has a special magical feeling to it. I love all the Disney parks, but there's a special charm, a special unique feeling at Disneyland. So that's my favorite Disney park.
1: How about your favorite non-Disney park?
2: That's a real tough one. You know, people often ask me this question, um, what's your favorite park? And, and it, it's hard to answer because... As I said earlier, I love all parks. And I love everything from Coney Island to Islands of Adventure. But to compare the two isn't really fair. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go, I guess, uh, maybe maybe a little crazy here. It's not even really a park. It's an amusement area. I'm going to say Coney Island only because of its history, its important place, in the evolution of what we now know as amusement parks. And the fact that it, it has toughed it out and been able to remain uh, vibrant to this day,
1: uh, I'm going to go with Coney Island. I love, I love that. that. I love that. I think that's a perfect answer for you. I don't think anybody will judge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a real tough one, I'm sure, for you. What's your favorite ride? Well, again, it's tough for me to <laughs> answer that because
2: are we talking thrill rides or are we talking... You didn't give them any parameters. Yes, I know. <laughs> are we talking rides? No parameters. Rides. Yeah. No
1: parameters. Just it's your... You get to ride one ride. For the rest of your life, what is it? <laughs> I think I'm going to
2: go with Pirates of the Caribbean, the original. Um, not, I'm not oh. saying it's the best, but I'm saying it's my favorite because I got to ride it when I was very, very young. And, you know, I started this journey into the world of theme parks at a very, very young age. Um, I think when I was about 11 was when I first visited Disneyland. Pirates of the Caribbean had opened not too long before that. And... It just was just eye opening and jaw dropping, and kind of um, sort of set me on this path, I guess. So I'm I'm going to go with Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Perfect. Okay, question four. Any Disney claims to fame? I'm sure you have a million of them.
2: But I <laughs> <laughs> probably do have a million, but one of the coolest things is I no longer uh, do this. I, I've been writing for what's known, uh, used to be known as About.com since 2002. It has now morphed into what is known as TripSavvy. Savvy. Um, but when I was writing for About.com, we used to have a weekly newsletter, and I had an enormous a subscriber base uh, including many Imagineers and one of the Imagineers who was a, a subscriber to my newsletter and regularly read my content invited me to come to uh, Glendale, California to Imagineering <gasps> to um, address the Imagineers. They have this monthly what was called Insight Out, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Insight Out Uh, speaker series and the idea for me coming to speak to the Imagineers was to not talk to them about Disney obviously they are Disney but to talk to them about everything outside of Disney what's happening in the industry so they could kind of get a sense of what's happening in the world of of theme parks and amusement parks so I I got to speak to the Imagineers then I got a tour of Imagineering and, and and it was just kind of a wild crazy experience um talk about meeting your 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 idols it, it, was, yeah. it was just just wild so that's my disney claim to fame i guess i want that, that is so, so
0: cool, cool. <laughs> that wins that you wins win. i don't think anybody you tops win. that yeah <laughs> that's amazing someday
1: when we rank all of everybody's disney claims to fame actually that'll be number one <laughs> that we don't need to
0: rank them that's just it no that's just that's it. just
1: it uh finally uh do you have any questions
0: for
2: us i do um I know that you're both from New England. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how old you are, (laughs) but I'm wondering if you had a chance to... I have a special soft spot in my heart for seaside amusement parks. I mentioned Coney Island. We used to have a place called Revere Beach here Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts. The beach is still there, but all the amusements are gone. I want to know if either of you, especially... I forget which one of you is from Rhode Island, but did you ever get a chance to visit Rocky Point?
1: Rocky Point is my very first theme park. I grew up going to Rocky Point. I miss it so much. I have been, starting this summer, I have started collecting memorabilia from Rocky Point that I found on eBay, (laughs) buying up everything. I just recently scored a ticket book that has never been ripped out of um, Rocky Point Park tickets. And I took just a couple of them and made... um, uh, necklaces and keychains out of them uh, I that, so to preserve them forever. I, oh my goodness. Yeah. The cyclone at Rocky Point and the, the flume. And uh, I had a sixth grade dance at the, uh, at the pavilion there and Shore Dinner Hall. How about clam cakes and chowder? Oh my right? God. The
2: Shore Dinner Hall. <laughs> I loved Rocky Point as much for the clam cakes and the chowder as I did for the amusements. I, I'm I absolutely love it. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Rocky Point is long gone, as is the Shore Dinner Hall and the Clam yep. Cakes and Chowder. However, I'm not sure if it's still there, but I'm pretty sure it's still there. Somewhere near where Rocky Point used to be, there is a place called the Rocky Point Chowder House and they have what's supposed to be the original recipe, clam cakes and chowder. I've yet yeah, to make it there, but I've, I've, I've got to get there.
1: I have been there, and it's reminiscent of it. Uh, it doesn't have that salt water, ocean breeze, <laughs> like just made taste to it, oh. but it'll it'll, yeah, It's in fact, my, my family is from Warwick, and absolutely, every time I've been back there in the summertime, I go to Rocky Point Chowder House. Um, and, you know, it's it's similar it's not totally a hundred percent the same but it's close okay, it's well, as I'll, I'll close, take close as it's gonna get it's yeah, as close yeah. as it's gonna get unfortunately the rocky point area right now if you go there, I, you know you can still go and have a picnic out there but there, you know it's condos and <laughs> it's oh, just sad. it's so sad for a yeah. while it was one of those ashley loves abandoned theme parks
0: i do and, i do um, <laughs> for,
1: for a while it was one of those that people would sneak in and try to find old pieces of of the park and some of its still available on the internet if you know where to look
2: <laughs> well it's the same thing with revealed beach it's all condos and uh just boring architecture yeah. and yeah there's there's virtually no recognition of the grand tradition and history there so mm. it's sad it is sad yes
0: yeah. it is sad but you can still get you know a roast beef sandwich and and uh, and a slush at Revere Beach?
2: Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So, and you can
0: there. get Bianchi's
1: pizza. So yeah, yes. we've got that. We've got,
0: that. <laughs> we've got the food. We just don't have the rides. That's right. <laughs>
1: Arthur, thank you so much for being on our podcast. How can people uh, connect with you and read your work online?
2: I have a site called About Theme Parks, A-B-O-U-T, Theme parks.net. And that is a a collection of all of the writing that I've done uh, in all the different um, websites and periodicals and publications. Um, So that's a great way uh, that people can find me. And I'm also on Twitter at About Theme Parks. Um, where' I'm, I'm active and also uh, talking about the industry and, and promoting the, the different um, things that I write. So th- those would be two ways that people could find me.
1: I hope we get to hang out at a theme park sometime in the future.
2: That'd be great. Yes. I
1: hope so too. <laughs> to find out more about Ashley and I check out themeparkets.com. find us on Instagram at the theme parkettes.
0: My personal Instagram is at actor Jessica Gardner and I'm at HappyGo Ashley. And hey before we go, we just wanna thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of The Theme Parkettes. As you know, we love sharing helpful information, like in today's episode, some history and some hot tips with all of you. And we really hope that you're enjoying each episode we produce. If you're loving what you hear and love today's episode, make sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when a new episode drops. And we'd also love for you to leave a review.
1: Some review shout outs, thanks to Danny tx 12 Holy Cows with a W, Frank from Astoria, T fizzle 27 and Becky from Boston. We loved your reviews. Thanks so much. And hey, even if you're not a theme park nerd from New England, if you see us at a theme
0: park, still come up to us and say hi. Remember, you can sit with us. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks, Arthur, for joining us.
2: Well, thank you, theme parkettes. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks.